Welcome to uh, day 29 of our little podcast, Shaped by the Word. Uh, We've been journeying through the Gospel of Luke, and it has been a a fun journey, a rich journey. We realize that Jesus calls us to a deeper uh, form of discipleship than most of us realize, that he is asking for us to follow him uh, with everything that we have. And it has been fun to read it. It's been convicting to read it. I'm Paul Kemp. I'm here with uh, Katie Kresge and Matt Kresge as uh, we continue reading through the Gospel of Luke and mm-hmm. uh, discussing some of the deep truths that we see there you know, as the kingdoms form. Luke's Gospel is formed uh, just like the book of Acts. Uh, geographically, he uses a literary device. We begin in Jerusalem and Bethlehem with the birth of Jesus. Then we go to the outer regions of Galilee where Jesus ministers. And then in chapter 9, verse 50, 51, somewhere right in there, Scripture says he set his face toward Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're on the road to Jerusalem. And next week we'll transition to the cross itself in the city of Jerusalem. And so the road to Jerusalem is also symbolic of the road of discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus to the cross mm-hmm. um, as, his, as his followers. So it's been kind of challenging to read that. And uh, what you'll see in this week's readings, you'll see a lot of challenges to deep discipleship to deep commitment to Jesus. So before we begin this new week, being shaped by the Word, uh, let's offer this week, this moment, ourselves to the Lord. Matt, do you mind yeah, leading us? Pray. Father, we do thank you for um, your Word. We thank you for time in it together uh, as we get to hear from you. Um, Father, we pray that you would be glorified through us as we uh, meditate on your word. And Father, would you hide it in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. We thank you um, that you are a God who has spoken, a God who's revealed yourself to us. And so would you help us to see you. Uh, Father, would you help us to behold um, wonderful things from your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're hearing from some people who are you know, listening to the podcast. And I was talking you know, to one person this week, and what they do is they get up and they read the scripture, have a cup of coffee, and then pray. And then on their way to work, they listen to the podcast, and uh, they either say, "I thought of that well before they thought of that," or "I said that better than they, you know, <laughs> better than they could ever say that," or "I never thought of that." Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I asked them why they liked it, and they said because they have a deep sense of reading in community. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what the New Testament is. It's an invitation to read the scripture together as as the people of God. Mm. So we begin this week in Luke chapter 13. Now there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tariffs alone fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I'll tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told him this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, we'll cut it down. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. 
when he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on one of those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered them, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox and donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched on its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked its way all through the dough. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he replied, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. They'll be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People come from the east and the west and the north and the south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. At the same time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox. I'll keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I'll reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Look, your house has left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both challenging and and somewhat sad, Mm -hmm. Uh, you see the rejection of the kingdom uh, by those who should have received it, Mm -hmm. but you also see the reception of the kingdom by those who were far away, Mm -hmm. and that is the beauty of the gospel that, uh, you know, as Paul said, he has taken those of us who are far away and he has brought us near through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see both the rejection of the gospel but the acceptance of the gospel, and uh, that uh, gives us gives us heart. So you look at uh, today's passage, what are some of the things that stand out to you guys? I mean, so much, so many different things. Uh, I guess starting at the beginning, yeah, just preaching a message of repentance. And um, later on, I, I think it's, yeah, towards the beginning, it's like, these people, these Pharisees, are pointing out all these Galileans, right, who were, um, in their opinion, suffering judgment of God, and and Jesus is pointing out that that doesn't necessarily mean just because they died, right, doesn't mean that they right. were being judged by God, but that, but then in the parable of the vineyard, he's pointing to them saying even God's people like need to be the ones who watch out, right, because you are under God's wrath too. I don't right. know. Y'all yeah. probably have some good Yeah, no. I mean the whole idea is uh 
you know, if bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. And we kind of, you know, we we don't necessarily endorse that, but we kind of have that feeling when things are going great. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel like uh, we're enjoying God's blessing, and when things are yeah. bad, we feel like you know we're kind of yeah. under God's judgment. And Jesus said, "No, these these are results. I mean, these guys uh, who brought their sacrifices to Jerusalem probably caused a stir in the temple courts, and Pilate acted decisively. This is in keeping with his character." and slaughtered them right there in the temple courts. And, of course, their blood mingled mm-hmm. with their sacrifices, which is an appalling mm-hmm. kind of image. And then he talks about a tower. Uh, we have no idea about the tower or about this event. Neither one of these are recording in history. Outside of Luke, he talks about a tower, possibly by the Pool of Siloam, you know, by the temple, uh, that fell and crushed people as they were entering the temple. And both of those look like acts of judgment. And Jesus said, no, that's part of living in a broken world, but all of us need to be aware that we are deserving of judgment, mm-hmm. you know, unless we repent. Yeah. And, and that is the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is not, you know, simply to, you know, pray a prayer and to go to heaven when you die. It's, it's to repent. And mm-hmm. as Luke tells us, to follow Jesus along a road that leads to a cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that was, that attitude that they had, you know, well, what, you know, they got what they deserve, or you know, mm-hmm. what do you think of them? Like that was what we see in the Old Testament as well. I mean, you see that in the Book of Job, where his friends come along and they're like, "Job, surely you you did something wrong," mm-hmm. you know, because bad things don't happen to righteous people or good That's people. Right. And, and that attitude, I think, really does reflect you know in our own hearts. And just when I mean, we ask the kind of question all the time, you know, why do bad things happen to good people, or why do the evil seem to yeah. thrive? I mean, or when are, bad things happen to us, I, we don't deserve this. Just yeah. said. You've gotten much better than you deserve already. And what you really deserve is judgment. But God in his grace has offered you so much more than what you deserve. He's offered you grace. Uh, And then he tells a parable of the the fig tree, which is very similar to Isaiah's parable of the vineyard. Uh, you know, I cultivated a vineyard. I built a wall. I did everything I could. You tell me what more could I have done for my vineyard, which is a symbol of Israel. And the same thing is true with the fig tree, uh, where you have a servant saying, well, let's not cut it down. Let's do everything we can, you know, for it to bear fruit. Yeah. And, and, of course, the parable, you know, the parable cuts both ways. It's a parable of Israel never bearing the fruit of the kingdom. But we also need to look at the fact that the church itself may not be bearing the mm-hmm. fruit of the kingdom, which is what God desires of yeah. us. And it also causes us to look inward. We may not be bearing mm-hmm. the fruit of yeah. the kingdom, and that's what God desires more than anything else. Yeah. Not, you know, just that we're better in our theology or, mm-hmm. you know, more consistent in our spiritual disciplines, but that we are indeed yeah. in a bearing fruit. That's one of the things I think Jesus does so well. I mean, throughout the Gospel of Luke, but especially in this chapter, is he just personalizes so much. Is you know, they come. You know, what about this? these people, you know, who died? And Jesus, no, what about you? Yeah. You know, or what about, you know, what about this? And Jesus says, no, what about you? Like, he, he keeps turning it to them. And I think it poses the same question for us as we read this, because it's easy to read this and think, you know, oh, the narrow door, well, I'm in, you know. and I, But what about us, you know? Or, or what about, have we, have we repented, not just once and that's enough, you know, but are we in, do we have a heart? Of, of repentance we have a posture of repent of repentance i think yeah. these are things that jesus does often he just turns it and he personalizes it no and it is a uh, uh yeah and, and again going to the narrow door another image you know of salvation 
It's, it's not the most obvious door. It's not the most elaborate door. It's not the, and the most easy door. But it is a door that is open to everyone who would respond to God's grace. Uh, and, of course, you're, you're reminded of the reversal of that in Revelation. I'm, I stand at the door you know, to your heart and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and fellowship with them and they with me. And that many, because they sat there and they heard Jesus teaching, they were there front row for the miracles, they're saying, surely you, you remember us. And he said, no, I was asking for more than you just to hear me and more from you just to marvel you know, at my teaching. I was asking you to follow me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so much of this book has been a reminder to me just to continually do a heart check and continually let um, let the Spirit just convict my own heart because so much of even just today's chapter is um, Jesus reminding people that they aren't in a position where they are the judge. Like, we aren't called to, be, to make these judgments as who gets in and who doesn't. We're, I mean, and then the, the Pharisees are trying to s- tell this woman that she should have come on another day instead of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to be constantly checking our own hearts. And so that's been really convicting for myself um, and just such a, such a good reminder for me. No, we are people who are judgmental people. And uh, we, we should, you know, turn our hearts inward and examine ourselves. You know, as Paul even challenged us as we you know, come to the Lord's table to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Okay. And, you know, this is a measure of Jesus' words or a measure of what it means to follow him that are far different, you know, than our culture, uh, you know, or even, you know, the, the church culture would, you know, talk about. It's not just a casual thing where you add, you know, a few spiritual disciplines into your life, but it is a, a deep commitment to a person and a deep commitment to to give up a lot of other things or put a lot of other things uh, you know in a much smaller place in our life and follow him and so scripture is a great place to recalibrate I mean that that's one of the necessities of scripture every day because mm-hmm. uh, the world Jesus calls us to live in is so different you know than the one that we live in uh, every day I love the parables of the of the kingdom the two little short ones that he starts in verse 18 and I mean, to me, it's like, um, what I mean, what should I compare the kingdom of God to? And they're both things that start very small and that just kind of are sneaky, <laughs> you know, just over time. You would love sneaky. I do. That I was Katie like, Kresge. Like it. It's kind of sneaky. Look, yeah. <laughs> but that grow to, um, and the yeast influences the entire loaf or yeah. whatever you call it, a roll of dough. I was just I bl- uh, blown away by 60 pounds of flour. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of You flour. know, that, that's a big, that's a that, that is one big feast, you know, we're having, yeah. we're having there. Well, you know, uh, the, but, but the whole idea, you know, the Katie's talking about is just a little bit of yeast and a lot of flour. And, and you can kind of watch it have its impact as it expands. Yeah. Uh, and a beautiful, you know, in the Old Testament, tree is often a picture of yeah. a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so it's a kingdom that starts so yeah. tiny in, in the person and the work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hardly noticeable yeah. you know, uh, as he makes his way to Jerusalem, uh, but continues in us and one day. You know, find its you know complete fulfillment in Him. Yeah. Well, I just love. I mean, we've talked about being in the Word, and we see this in Jesus because the images you know, images He uses the tree grown up and birds nesting in it. You know, we see that in Psalm. We see that in Daniel and Ezekiel. We see these images where the kingdom will thrive. Or you know, or where in Daniel you have you know the kingdom being cut. You know, the stump being. 
cut down. Right. And but on the other hand, the kingdom of God's going to flourish. It's a picture of Nebuchadnezzar and, yeah, and his earthly kingdom. You know, where this this kingdom will flourish and birds will nest. You know, in its branches. And then towards the end, when Jesus begins to to weep over you know, Jerusalem and just kind of. I love the the imagery he uses because this is the imagery that in the Old Testament is attributed to God as the one who gathers you know his his children under his wings and under his arms and Jesus is saying I am him I am he who is here you know and I'm no, longing to yeah, this, this is words of God the Father yeah. coming through uh, the the you know the heart and the deliberations of God the Son and it's it's a very very beautiful and a beautiful picture and of course you're getting that theme of of jerusalem you know from 951 uh jesus set his face toward jerusalem knowing you know and you may as well say jesus set his face toward the cross as a mm-hmm. suffering servant uh you know to take our sin upon him and uh, what a beautiful uh, beautiful portrait of, of the one who will one day come to judge jerusalem but his plea before judgment is you know, to come to me, let me gather you. Mm-hmm. Uh, your house will be, you know, Jeremiah, your house will be left to you, desolate. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that will happen in a few short years, and from the time, you know, the time that we read this. Mm-hmm. But the wonderful invitation of Jesus to, to repent, to know him, and to find grace, and to find the comfort. Uh, you know, here, you know, he compares himself to a, a mother hen doting over her chicks, and, mm-hmm. and what a wonderful reference of the love of God and for us. So much more here, as we always say, at the end of uh, our, our 15 minutes, but uh, there's, um, we have all a lifetime <laughs> or until the Lord comes to be devoted to reading his word and mm-hmm. having it open to us. Katie, do you mind uh, bringing us mm-hmm. to a close today with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Father, thank you. Thank you for these words that we've gotten to read today and um, and talk about and hopefully be changed by. Um, what a sweet reminder that you um, you long for us to repent and it's um, we don't repent necessarily um, just out of fear of of what's to come, but we repent because of your kindness toward us. Um, your kindness is what leads us to repentance, and we are so thankful for a God who who is that way. Um, a God who longs for us um, to be, to be called your children, and um, and that is what we are. And so, thank you for your graciousness toward us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the words um, that we have gotten to read and engage with today. Um, may you continue by your Spirit to change our hearts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.